Please pray with me. Lord Christ, we come and we kneel at your feet and we pray that you might teach us today. Lord, that you might speak to our hearts, that we would be humble with our ears open, Lord, ready to receive what you would speak to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's so nice to hear that kiddo in the back. Such a sweet little voice. All right, so I was wrestling with whether I should preach in Elizabethan English or not. And I figured, no. So you're going to get, we're going to kind of blast forward a few hundred years to present time for my sermon. And particularly the topic. Uh, Today we are celebrating, not celebrating, remembering the uh, 10th year anniversary of September 11th. Right, and that was a horrific event for many of us, and many of us, I'm sure, can remember almost exactly where we were, where we were at the time, or what we were doing when we first found out that we had been attacked. Is that true? Do you remember? It's seared in my mind. At the time, I was wearing this jacket. It was my BDU coat, my summer BDUs. I was in Germany. We were training over there. Uh, Funny enough, training counterterrorism missions, which was the specialty of our unit. And we were out in the middle of nowhere in Germany, where we had no radio, uh, no television. Uh, We didn't have, like, cool phones at the time that could give you news updates. And so we were unaware of what had happened until our commanding officer came out, and he let us know uh, that we had been attacked, that uh, the Twin Towers were burning, and that uh, two planes had been flown into them. And you know what I thought at the time? I thought, no way. No way. Because oftentimes, especially when we were in a training environment like that, they would give us these scenarios. They would say, okay, the FARC have invaded a village in South America. You know, you all are being deployed to go and invade it. And then they'd set up, you know, they'd give us our little plan and everything for how we were going to train that day. And so we thought, oh, this is just, you know, another kind of training plan. This can't be true. Did anyone feel that way? Just not quite sure if you could believe it or not? That's how I felt. But as uh, when we had, we had it confirmed for us when the chow truck came up at lunchtime to bring us a meal. And it was a rental van. And, on, and there was a radio in there. And so we were able to turn it on and hear live coverage of what was happening in New York City. And when I heard that, When I actually heard it from another person's voice, not from my leadership, but from somebody else, somebody beyond us, it sunk in. The reality, the horrific reality that we had been attacked. And I can clearly remember that the fire began to burn inside of me as those two towers burned. That flame inside of me that that wanted to be the person to find those folks who had done this to us and to make them pay. That rage, that anger, that judgment, that vengeance welled up in me. Particularly because I was wearing one of these, right? It's my job to keep our country safe. It was what I was there for. We were like the best in the world at fighting terrorists, my unit was. And yet they'd attacked. They'd attacked us at home. And so I wanted to go, and I wanted to exact vengeance upon them. That was where my heart was that day. And so the gospel passage speaks to me profoundly. 
Peter, the apostle, is being magnanimous when he says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? Right, we think that's a lot, don't you? That sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Somebody does something to you seven times, don't you learn? I mean, I would. Right? Seven's a lot. But it's not enough, is it? What does Jesus say to him? How many times? Seventy times seven, right? And then he launches into a parable that describes how the kingdom of heaven works. In this parable, there's a king, right? And the servant owes the king 10,000 talents. Each talent weighs 130 pounds. So whether we're talking silver or gold, uh, 10,000 talents is a lot of money, right? King Solomon, his yearly allotment was 660 talents a year. So 10,000 talents is a lot, right? What do you think? That's a lot of money. It's kind of like the equivalent of a gazillion dollars, right? And, you know, to put it in accountant speak, right? So this servant owes the king a gazillion dollars. And guess what? He doesn't have it, right? He doesn't have that amount of money. He can't pay. And so the king commands that this guy should be sold, and along with all his possessions and his family, so that payment could be made. Now the man who's about to be sold into slavery falls at the feet of the king and says, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the king, moved with compassion, obviously not with logic, because you think this guy's going to be able to pay the king all? I mean, what are the odds of you and I paying off the national debt, personally? Pretty slim, don't you think? That's like how much this guy owes. And so you think the king actually believes that he can pay him off? No. There's no way this laborer, this servant, is going to be able to pay off 10,000 talents. But the king lets him go. And he forgives the debt. Now the parable turns at this point, right? It's this beautiful way that Jesus does these things. The parable turns, and now this man who's just been freed and forgiven of a bazillion dollar debt goes out and finds a guy who owes him the equivalent of $4,000. And he grabs this man by the throat, and he says, Pay up! Give me my money now. The man man who owes the money says, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Have we heard this line before? Yeah, who said it last time? He did, right? The irony is laid on thick here, right? Because now this other man is saying the exact same thing to him. And what does the guy do? Throws him in jail. That's right, he throws him in jail. Even though he said the exact same thing, even though he's just been forgiven the equivalent of the national debt, he throws this man into jail. No mercy, no remorse, no forgiveness. No writing off the debt. Then when his peers see this, they report it to the king who says, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? With this, the king gives the wicked servant over to the tormentors until he can pay all that he owes the king. This is an amazing parable, don't you think? It's one of my favorites. 
But lest we forget why Jesus told it, he says, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother's trespasses. So in response to Peter's question, then, according to this parable, how many times should I forgive my brother? 490 was the first answer. How long according to the parable? Every time. Every time you should forgive your brother. Every time he sins against Peter, Peter is called to forgive him. The reason's right there in the parable. How much did the first guy owe the king? A gazillion dollars, right? And how much did the other guy owe the first debtor? Like $4,000. Sure, that's a lot of money, $4,000. I mean, you know, like, you know, you might want this guy to pay up. But what is it compared, like, let's do a percentage. What is 4000 compared to a gazillion? I want a precise number here. Yeah, it's, it's approaching nothing. It's approaching zero in terms of percentages. Not even a drop in the bucket. And so Jesus has said, you can forgive your brother a little because I have forgiven you much. That's the carrot. What's the stick? If you don't, then he won't forgive you either. That's a tough one to swallow, don't you think? I like the cuddly part. I like the forgiven much, forgive much. But no, there's the stick too. Both those sides of the things we have to keep in mind. Jesus says, you can forgive your brother a little because I have forgiven you much. And if you don't, my Father in heaven will call in your debts. Ten years ago, we were sinned against. A group of fanatical religious terrorists killed thousands of unsuspecting Americans. That act of violence lit fires in many of us that yearned yearned for payback, for vengeance, for judgment. For justice. For blood. How do we reconcile this with the gospel passage? How does justice work with forgiveness? Or are they mutually exclusive? Or do they cancel one another out? The gospel is calling us, just like Peter, to forgiveness. Forgiveness does not necessarily mean that justice does not take place. Rather, forgiveness says that we entrust justice to our government government temporarily and ultimately to our God. But we need to release those people in our hearts from the unforgiveness that we hold them in. We let go of that little bit that we hold against them so that the massive amount that is held against us can be forgiven as well. When we forgive, we are in effect saying that Jesus Christ is in charge, and we trust him to be just. Remember what this parable is. He says this is a parable of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is when Christ rules in us, when he rules in this world. And so, in entrusting judgment to him, in forgiving, we are saying that Jesus Christ is king. As long as we live in unforgiveness whether it's toward the terrorists on September 11th or toward someone else who has wronged us in the past, as long as we live in that unforgiveness, we're dying. We are, by not forgiving them, 
killing ourselves. Some have said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. That's what we are, in effect, doing when we don't forgive, when we don't let go of that, when we don't turn over control to God. Forgiveness is difficult, right? God knows this. What did forgiveness cost him? His son. God knows that forgiveness takes something of us. God knows that forgiveness costs something precious. It costs saying, I am not, for us, it costs saying, I am not in charge. I am not the one who will bring justice and vengeance. I turn it over to God. Forgiveness, in addition to costing something, is impossible. I think it's impossible for you and I to do it without the grace of God working within us, without that blood that was shed on the cross being poured upon us, without God's power working within us. Forgiveness is an exercise in futility. But for us, if we can receive God's forgiveness for what we have done, he makes it possible for us to forgive others through the power of the cross and through his love which he pours into our hearts. May we learn to forgive through the grace that was given us as God forgave us by dying on the cross for our sins. And may we be people who forgive as we have been forgiven. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, as we sit here today, Lord, ten days after, or ten years after that egregious crime was committed against us, Lord, We entrust ourselves to you. We entrust those who committed this horrible crime, Lord, to you as well. Vengeance is yours. Justice is yours. Righteousness is yours. Holiness is yours. So is mercy, peace, and forgiveness, Lord. We entrust ourselves to you now, Lord. May we forgive those who have hurt us, Lord, whether they be terrorists from another land or may they, whether they be people from our own lives, Lord, family or friends who have hurt us. Lord, may we be able to forgive, be able to love as you love, Lord, and be able to follow you. Lord, today we remember those who died, those who were victims of violence, Lord God, on this day ten years ago. We also remember those who have died in the war since this time, Lord, seeking to defend us and protect the freedoms that we enjoy. Lord, we pray that you would have grace and mercy upon their families, those who they have left behind. Comfort them, encourage them, and reveal yourself to them. Lord, and as we forgive those who have transgressed against us, Lord, may our lives be filled with peace. May we be instruments of your peace. May we be tools of your reconciliation, and may the world be brought back to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.